time of the week again, NFL Friday, Week 11 edition. Jackson Heil, Chris Bocci here with you, the gruesome twosome, back in action on this podcast. Chris, last weekend was the best weekend of the year because there was no Jets football, and it was finally a peaceful weekend watching the Masters, not having to worry about how atrocious gangrene would be on the field. I don't enjoy my weekend. How was your weekend? Yeah, my weekend was great. I'm a little tired after a long week, and uh, I'll be on one-on-one tomorrow. So we've been pre-recording some segments there. But I'm feeling good. Uh, do the Jets give the Chargers a run for their money this week? It's possible. The 2-7 and seven Chargers may be an opportunity to pick up a victory. But I think we're on the same page that we don't want the Jets necessarily picking up a victory. But co- couldn't agree with you more. Uh, it was a peaceful weekend uh, without having to watch a miserable Jet loss. The, the worst part of that is, like, you got to root for it at this point. Like, you, yeah. you, you, you're too far in for Trevor Lawrence where you have to right. root for misery. And um, it, it's gotten to the point where it's just – I mean, it's already been a miserable lifestyle, but it just gets depressing and more depressing as the weeks go on. But we're not going to talk much about the Jets today. Um, a lot going on in the NFL right now. We're going to talk about the Giants who – are going into the bye week on a high note, beating the Eagles at home, supplanting themselves right in that NFC East race, which is a disaster. It seems like a race to six wins at this point, and that might get the job done for a playoff spot in that division. But again, a lot to come there and a lot to see where that heads. Thursday Night Football last night, we're going to get to first. We're going to talk about Taysom Hill, who was officially named the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints by Sean Payton over Jameis Winston, and I will have some things to say about that. But like I mentioned, we're starting off with Thursday Night Football. Seahawks topping the Cardinals 28-21 at home last night. And Chris, my takeaway each week from watching the NFC West is I don't have a clue who is good in this division. I really don't because it should be the best division of football. And it is. I mean, there's too many good teams and they're beating each other up week in and week out with the Seahawks beating the Cardinals last weekend and um, losing to the Rams on the road the week prior. But it seems like every week I'm just more clueless about who's the best team in this division Um, because it seems like a three-team race right now, Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks. And I think each of the last three weeks, I've come away with a new conclusion about who the best team in this division is. And I think it's just a wait and see at this point. Well, let me help you out here a little bit, because I don't think I don't think it's so unclear. I mean, I think the Seattle Seahawks are the best team in this division. I think you saw it last night as well. Look, you have to take the Rams seriously. You have to take the Cardinals seriously. They're both very good teams. Ordinarily, you'd have to take the 49ers seriously. but They've been so banged up that they're four and six now. And uh, they're at the bottom of that division. They're not going to break out of it. But obviously the Cardinals competitive, the Rams competitive, uh, but the Seahawks are the best team in this division. The Seahawks, you know, if you asked me at the beginning of the season, I would have told you the best team in all football, you know, right next to the Kansas City Chiefs. This is still Russell Wilson's division to lose. They now are in first place, sole possession, seven and three after last night's victory. Uh, They looked very good. They looked very good. I, I know defensively they're a little bit vulnerable, but there's no quarterback that I'd rather have the ball in his hands than Russell Wilson right now. You, you just in that division. I mean, I, I can't be challenged on that. Jared Goff and the Rams. Really? Come on. See, that's where I, Jared I disagree Goff and the Rams. with you though. Uh, listen, I am the furthest thing from a Jared Goff supporter. I've been the first person to admit that on this podcast. I have called him probably the most overrated quarterback in NFL history Sucks. on this podcast, but the Seahawks defense stinks. It is terrible. They can't stop anyone. And I mean, you look week in and week out with this team. You looked at the first six weeks of the season and I was with you. I was saying, Hey, this Seahawks team is the best team in the division, but you look at what has happened on the defensive side of the football and they can't stop anyone. And we talked about this. I believe the last time we were on this podcast, Jamal Adams, who was supposed to be the center of this defense and the cornerstone going forward, he's been a miserable wreck. He he, he looks like a system safety right now, which is just terrific, by the way. Yeah. As a Jets oh, yeah. fan, it's just terrific to watch after all the bickering and the nonsense from him in the offseason and Joe Douglas getting a haul for him. He goes out and he's stinking it up in Seattle, which is great to see. But anyways, back to my point as a whole, 
Like you, each week, I, I look at this Seattle Seahawks team and say, I don't know if this team is going to even make the playoffs because of their defense. And yes, they're seven and three, sole possession in first place, and they probably are going to make the playoffs, and they might even win the division at this rate. But man, I don't know if they're going to be able to hang with the Rams going forward. And you, Do you think the it's the Rams, the Cardinals? It's not the. You think it's the I, Rams I, and not the Cardinals? Chris, I I don't know. I, yeah. I, I am I'm so clueless at this point know. because each week someone looks like the best team in the division. I mean, the Cardinals were a prayer away from being five and five. And I mean yeah. a prayer. And, and oh, listen, yeah. that was the best play of the weekend by a mile when Kyler Murray on the run hits DeAndre Hopkins in triple coverage with one of the greatest plays of the season Plays, and probably will be the greatest play of the season. But listen, I like the Cardinals. I like the direction Kyler is taking his team. I think Kyler in the next five years is going to be the MVP of this league in some capacity. Um, but right now, man, I look at the Rams and I see a team that defensively is so stout. What they do up front is terrific. Sean McVay is an awesome coach. And listen, I'm not buying Jared Goff. I, I'm not, but – that win over Seattle last week was pretty damn convincing. It, it was pretty damn convincing. I mean, holding them to 16 points. Jalen Ramsey looks like he's officially taken over as the best corner in the league again, which that was kind of up in the air for a few, the last two years, so to speak. But I, I'm just, I, I don't know who the best team in this division is. And I don't think, I, I think it's pretty obvious that it's going to go down to the wire, to be completely honest with you, because, the Seahawks are going to find ways to lose games because of their defense. It's just going to happen. It's happened in the past, and they're giving up 30 or 40 points a game pretty much every other week. The Rams disappear every other week because of Jared Goff and what they do offensively, and the Cardinals are just consistently inconsistent. That, that That's where I'm at with the Cardinals. So three good teams, three teams who are going to probably all make the playoffs in some capacity, but – three teams that I, I don't know how to rank these teams right now. And I, honestly, if you ask me to pick someone to win the division, it, it'd be like picking a name out of the hat at this point. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that you're so uncertain. I mean, you know, I, I hear you. I hear you. The Rams on defense and the Rams have just quietly moved to six and three to me because they've flown under my radar for the beginning of the season. I, I thought this was, Again, going to be about the Seahawks and Niners. I knew the Cardinals were were on the come up, but they came up a lot faster than I expected here. DeAndre Hopkins helped a lot to accelerate that. You're right that the Cardinals, um, as far as their timeline, I mean, I'm looking at them as serious threats in the NFC next year, the year following. And I agree with you that Kyler Murray's on the fast track to an MVP, but this division is still Russell Wilson's. Uh, that That'll just be... That'll just be my piece here. I mean, I, I won't move off that until I see it happen because there's nobody uh, with two minutes down by six who I want the ball. I want it in Russell Wilson's hands. This is a potent offense. Um, it, it is funny because the Seahawks on defense, that was the thing that we always used to talk about. The 12th man, right? They were unbelievable on defense uh, for all those years. And uh, now it's a now it's a completely offensive storyline. Does that make them vulnerable in the playoffs? Possibly. Do you, how do they stack up against the Packers in the NFC? I'm not so sure. I mean, this is a good conversation, but out of this division, I think the Seahawks emerge. That's fair, and I think that if you asked me that question three weeks ago, I probably would have said that. Right. And honestly, maybe after tonight, they I do lean, I guess, towards them, but. Well, that's, um, you know, it's also the recency bias. I watched the game last course. night. It was an excellent game. And guess what? Their defense got the job done at the end. Mm-hmm. Their defense got the job done. Kyler Murray took them all the way up the field. Uh, they were up six points there, or they were up seven. They were up seven. And they made the stop for, you know, four downs and four, four and out. And that was it. Which is my biggest point almost about this is that, like like you said, with the recency bias, it's someone new every week, I feel right. like. I mean, coming off of last week, I think a lot of people would have said the Rams are the favorites in this division. Big win at home over Seattle. But you go to the week before, Jared Goff turns the ball over a number of times. They give up touchdowns in four different ways to the Miami Dolphins. And all of a sudden, they're 5-3. and three, And it's an ugly 5-3. and three. 
against a Dolphins team on the road with Tua Tugavailoa making his first career start. Last week, honestly, it might have been – you could have said the Cardinals too coming off a big win at home against the Bills. It, it's just someone new every week, and, and that's my biggest point here is that, one, it's going to be fun to watch, that's for sure, because this division has a lot left to be decided, and even though the Cardinals have played the Seahawks twice already, there are more games to come between the Rams and the Seahawks and the Rams and the Cardinals in that regard. This division is far from decided, and it, for obvious reasons, given the record too. But also, I just I'm so clueless as to who is going to be good in this division because even if you look at what the Seahawks did on offense with all these defensive struggles, Russell Wilson hasn't looked that good over the past six weeks going into last week. Previous two weeks, he had combined four interceptions. He had nine interceptions in his previous six games, and that's for a guy who really doesn't turn the ball over much at all. I mean, he had five picks the previous year, and he already had, he had nine in a six-game span this year. So there were concerns there. There were concerns about the health in the run game with Chris Carson not being healthy. DJ Dallas was the guy for a few weeks. Carlos Hyde was also out. So it's all over the place. I don't want to get too much further into it, but that's where I'm at with the NFC West. Moving on to the Giants. And Chris, I said this on one-on-one during the week last week um, prior to this game. If the Giants beat the Eagles, they were going to win the NFCs. That was my opinion. I still believe that. And the Giants come up big. They jump out early. They score enough points. Daniel Jones looks like arguably one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe the most mobile quarterback. And that includes, yes, Lamar Jackson. It is remarkable that the Giants are even in this division hunt. That three and seven, you think that, hey, this team should be tanking for draft picks, but yet they're one game, actually even really a half a game out of first place right now behind the Eagles going into their bye week. Chris, I'm going to ask you this because I kind of just gave my piece on this. What do you make of this Giants team at three and seven going into the bye week, and can they win the NFCs? They can. They can. I don't think they will. I, I, this is, okay. I'm hearing this a lot, that the Giants are going to win the division. I completely get it. Uh, it is wide open. They absolutely can. It's, it's not a crazy take. Um, I could very much be wrong here, but this is not a good team. And, of course, the, the, the team that wins this division won't be a good team. So I shouldn't make that the only criterion here. But this is not a good team, and they've got six games left on the schedule. I think they have to win three if they're going to get to the playoffs. I don't think this team is winning three out of six, even though that's not a ton to ask for. But let me just say, tell you the games. I'll just read them off for you. It's Bengals off the bye. They're on the bye this week. So take a break. A little bit of drama. Maybe we'll get into it. They go Bengals. They got to beat the Bengals. They have to beat the Bengals. But I don't even know that they beat the Bengals. I am not sure about that. Um, then they go Seahawks. They lose. Cardinals. They lose. Browns. They lose. Ravens, they lose. Look, Cowboys, Chris, can we really chalk these up as losses right now? Because it's my prediction. Look, okay, that, that's fair. But <laughs> my point more with the Giants right now is that you look at the schedule, they've been in every game this year against good yeah. teams, no less. They've been yeah. in every single game other than the 49ers loss at home where they got the doors blown off. Joe Judge has had this team ready every single week, and they're – one possession away from beating the Rams. They are one play away from beating the Bears on the road. I mean, the list goes on and on about games this team probably should have won that they haven't. And, yes, that is an indictment on their inability to finish games, and that certainly must be noted going forward. However, I look around the rest of the division. I see a Washington football team that has no ceiling in this division and stinks, even with their good defense coming off a tight loss at the Lions last week, which I don't know how they ended up losing that game, but they found a way. I think the Eagles are terrible. I I really do. And I I don't even really need to mention the Cowboys because I think without Dak Prescott, we've seen that they are out of this thing. Um, And that leaves the Giants, who, like you said, they're not a great football team. They're not even a good football team. You can't even consider them that. No, they're not. But all it takes is six wins. All, All it takes in this division is six wins to get a playoff spot and win the NFC East. You, you I think know. six wins is very feasible if they take care of business against the Cowboys, they beat the Bengals, which they should win, and they win one more of those games. They're in the playoffs, I think. 
Well, you know, I'm looking at it like they need to win six games as well. And as I read the schedule to you, I, I don't know that they do. But then there's the thought here, do they even need six? I mean, they may not even yeah. need six because uh, I'm looking at the Eagles schedule here. And I agree with you that Washington and Dallas, you can forget about them. But the Eagles play the same group of teams for the most part, except they have the Packers in there and they don't get to see the Bengals. They get the Washington football team in week 17. But besides that, it's the same group of teams, Cardinals, uh, Seahawks. They do have the Cowboys as well. I should mention Browns, but then they also got the Packers and the saints, two teams that are going to beat them up. So could this division be won with five games? It could be. And could that be the Giants? It could be. Is it bad for football? Yeah, it's terrible for football. I don't want to see. Horrible. I don't want to see a six-win team in the playoff. I don't want to see a six-win team hosting a playoff game. I mean, what is that going to say to, you know, a team in the NFC North like Minnesota or Detroit who may finish this year with eight wins? Uh, that, that ain't right. But that's uh, it's just how it goes. Yeah, it's unfortunately how it works. And Honestly, you said it best. They may not even need six wins to win this right. division, theoretically speaking. Um, because you look at the Eagles' schedule down the stretch, and you mentioned it, it's bad. They play week 16 and week 17 against the Cowboys and, and the uh, Washington football team. But before that, it's Browns, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Cardinals. Like, Listen, they could win one of those games, just like the Giants could as well. But I, I think it's – I think you could set the over-under at a half a win for both teams combined against that big stretch where they're not playing in division and not playing the Bengals. And honestly, like, if you took the under, I wouldn't kill you for it because that's how bad (laughs) these teams have been. I I really would. Um, But you got to think one team is going to run into a victory at some point there. And I'd bet on the Giants to do that at this point because they have proven that they can play and at least compete against some of the best teams in football. They haven't been able to shut the door. They haven't been able to close out games. But they've proven they can at least be there. Well, yeah. You know the real shame in it, I, I, I've i been thinking about this a lot. I wonder your take, Jackson. Imagine this team has Saquon Barkley. I mean, is that the thing that really pushes them over, over the edge in a division that is, uh, you know, absolutely for the taking? If they have a stud running back, that changes the entire conversation right now. We're talking in week 11 with Saquon Barkley on the team. I doubt that the Giants have three wins. Doubt it. See, I, I don't know how much I would have made. Maybe one more win in there. but And it's not Saquon's fault, by the way, that, that he hasn't really put up a ton of production recently. The offensive line's a joke. I mean, we saw the way that he played against the Steelers. I mean, at one point, he had like 10 carries for negative six yards or something ridiculous like that. And again, I'm not saying that's his fault by any stretch of the imagination because the offensive line is an atrocity in front of him. But if we're going to make that exception, we also have to make the same exception that if the Cowboys have Dak Prescott, yeah. they probably win this division. And the Eagles have had injury nightmares. And if the Washington football team didn't get so banged up on D for a while. So, um, it's really it's all over the place this division and something else that happened this week with the Giants that I found quite interesting um Joe Judge and Mark Colombo who is the offensive line coach apparently got pretty heated um there's been rumors that they got into a fist fight and Mark Colombo was fired after that he was definitely fired that is the one thing that we have confirmed there was a report that um he apparently said that Colombo apparently called Judge the worst name in the English dictionary, which I would give a lot of money um, to figure out what that word was considered by that reporter. Um, I feel like I have a pretty good idea of it, and we were talking about it before the show, but we're not going to divulge into <laughs> that explicit content on the show. But, man, you would think that a team coming off a big win, um, going into the bye week spirit's got to be high, but apparently not, which is just – the bizarre season that is 2020 and this bizarre team that is the New York Giants, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I really am also curious to know what the word is. I don't want to say it. Then we have to deal with the FCC and get the episode labeled explicit. Uh, Look, uh, yeah, I don't know how much there is to say. I, I sort of wish that it was a fist fight. I'd love to 
I wish there was footage as well. Uh, that would be something to see. Oh man! But I, I don't know what the maybe this tells us something about Joe Judge. Uh, this is not a guy to be crossed. Does it send a message? I have no idea. I don't know if there's really a perspective here, but it's good fun. Dude, I mean Joe Judge just looks like a guy. Yeah. Who would throw punches? He he really does. He's just got that tough guy uh, mindset and mantra about him that. Listen, if things get ugly, I'm he's ready to throw fisticuffs out there. And now, would Belichick throw fists? Because that that's obviously you know that's where say, he came from. I would I don't say ten think years so. ago, probably. I, I think ten think. years ago, Belichick might. Now he's at a point I, in his career where he he's he has no business throwing fists. I think he does psychological torture. That's what he does. Remember when he smiled on the sideline? They were playing the Jets. <laughs> Guy smiled. That was oh man. That was a little that bit. That was dement- psychological. That torture. was a little bit demented, right there. <laughs> only, only, only Bill Belichick, because he never. The guy doesn't smile. The guy, but I think uh, I think he does have some mind control powers. I, I believe that for a long time. He certainly does. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. For for what it's worth, the Giants did deny the report um, that there was a fight and that punches were thrown um they said it was absolutely false in every way so really no one has a clue as to what exactly happened um but we know things got heated and we know mark colombo is now unemployed right so that is the gist of what happened do we know you for sure yeah i mean i don't know I, I i know that the reporting coming out is that that there weren't fists I mean, I don't know where that came from. I, it had to come from somewhere. I don't want to be. I don't want to. It came from know, the Giants. The report came my, from the Giants. I, I know. I. I, I oh, I'm you're talking about the initial report. Sorry. Right, and you know, I, I don't want to wear my tin hat here and be a conspiracy theorist, but <laughs> I, I kind of. I, I don't really know. I. It's obviously in the Giants' interest to deny that. The reporters all jumped on it and said it wasn't true, but it might be true. We'll never know. That's all right. We, but in our heads, we could. I kind of think it's true. I'm going to choose to believe that both reports were true, that he called him the worst word in the English dictionary, which (laughs) you could say starts with a a variety of different words, depending on what you view as the worst word in the English dictionary. But, um, and then that caused punches to be thrown. So I'm I'm going to go with that theory. Um, I hope it was true because honestly, I love Joe judge for being willing to throw fists with his offensive line coach. Um, so that's pretty cool, but regardless, we're moving on. Um, Giants again, three and seven going to the bye week. Things looking good potentially in the NFC East for them to make a run for a playoff spot in that fourth seed in the NFC. Moving on quickly before we go to our picks, Sean Payton with a big announcement today out of New Orleans that Taysom Hill starting at quarterback over Jameis Winston. Um, and that there will be no Jameis Winston packages even to deal with. So it's not just going to be Wildcat. Taysom Hill is now officially the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees going on IR with what has been called the collapsed lung. It looked like a potential shoulder issue. Whatever it is, Brees won't be playing this weekend, and he won't be playing in the foreseeable future as well. So, Chris, Taysom Hill is the guy I think that is nuts. To, to be quite honest with you, I, I think this is the most Sean Payton move I've ever seen because he has had a love affair. And honestly, I think a love affair is a little bit underselling. I think he has an addiction um, to putting Taysom Hill on the field and getting him the ball in any way possible. Um, I, I just think it's crazy to not give Jameis Winston a shot. And I, I've said this with Andrew Gulata, who is a Saints fan and a Saints blogger as well, who is a also member of WFUV sports. And I said this on one-on-one, but I thought that the Saints should have pulled the trigger earlier and went to Jameis Winston over Drew Brees, even when Brees was healthy, because I don't see the arm in Brees anymore. I see a guy in Jameis Winston who could completely expand that offense with his ability to make plays downfield. But to not even give that guy a shot who led the league in passing yards last year. And yes, the turnovers were a problem. He threw 30 picks in Bruce Arians offense, which is, Ludicrous. It's crazy, but that's a turnover prone offense in Tampa Bay. And I wanted to see Jameis Winston given a shot with these type of weapons in this type of offense where he's going to be allowed to make plays, but also 
he's going to be in a position where he's not exposed to making as many turnovers as he did in Tampa Bay. I just think it's insane with the throwing prowess that he has and the arm that he has to give Taysom Hill the starting job over Jameis Winston. It's nuts to me, Chris. It really is. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, it's almost like why bring in Jameis Winston if exactly your backup quarterback is Taysom Hill? I understand Taysom Hill and the special packages. Uh, you want to use them. I, you know, it's funny. It it is. Uh, Sean Payton has a has a bizarre affinity for him, and now he's going to get the ball at quarterback. It doesn't feel right to me. I I, I think Jameis Winston is actually a very good quarterback. Uh, you know, maybe various is. Maybe it's not fair to say that yet, but I, I did think he could emerge as a very good quarterback in a new system, goes into Sean Payton's offense. And I thought he was, frankly, the successor to Payton, uh, Payton Manning, to, to uh, Drew Brees there. But here we are, and he's got the chance to step up, and Sean Payton says, it's not happening. I'm going to my guy, Taysom Hill. I, I, I'm with you here. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not with you on your take that they should have uh, pulled the plug on Drew Brees earlier. You know, I, 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 I think that's uh, blasphemy to your to your franchise quarterback who who got you a ring and who, yeah, I, I, I you know, I don't, you don't, you don't, you don't sit Drew Brees on the bench. Drew Brees gets to say when his time is up, and and that may well be at the end of this season. And when his time is up, who steps in? I don't think it's Taysom Hill. I mean, apparently the Saints and Sean Payton think so. It's a bit predictable by the way that they've they've deployed him. So yeah. here we are. We'll see how he plays, but I, I agree with you. I don't think it's the right move, but Sean Payton knows better than I do. There, there's just a lot of crazy crap that is associated with all of this, because you look at the situation going into before Drew Brees got hurt. If they knew that Taysom Hill was the backup quarterback all along, why is Jameis Winston suiting up every week? That That's question number one for me, because normally you're not, suiting up three quarterbacks and three quarterbacks typically aren't active. Right. Um, you brought up the other point that I was going to be, why even sign Jameis Winston in the first place, if this was going to be the case. And you have to think that somewhere along the way, either he made this decision under the inclination that he was going to be the backup quarterback and he was going to get the chance if Drew Brees went down. And also that he probably was lied to in that process because if he was told that, listen, Taysom Hill is our guy. He's the backup quarterback, which honestly he probably should have put the pieces together in the first place, seeing just how Sean Payton uses Taysom Hill on a weekly basis that he is in love with Taysom Hill. Um, He probably was told along the way that he was the backup quarterback. And if that is the case, then, that's, that's just a bad move by the Saints. And it's a bad look, honestly, because I would bet Jameis Winston had better options as a backup quarterback where he probably could have gotten a chance earlier than New Orleans. But he ends up coming there with probably the assumption that he was going to be the next guy up if Drew Brees ever went down or if Drew Brees ever decided to sit down and put the cleats up. But that clearly isn't the case. Taysom Hill appears to be that guy. And they're going to roll with him going forward. And just from seeing Taysom Hill throw the ball, um, I think this is a crazy decision. I, I really do by Sean Payton. And um, I'm not saying that they would have ever gone, this is on the separate point, that they would have gone to Jameis over Drew Brees. I just think that Jameis fits that offense better. And I think that's probably what they should have done if they were looking to, to be a better football team. I completely understand the situation given that, one, Brees is your franchise quarterback, and two, they're scoring points too. Um, Maybe not because of Breeze, which is my opinion of it, but um, they are scoring points. So why broke what? Oh, what's geez? Don't I'm blanking on this quote. Don't broke what? Don't Jesus. fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Oh my god, that took me way too long to uh, figure that. So thank you for coming in there. It's the end of the week. My ass there. Yeah. Oh man, long week. Long week, just got off the golf course. Golfing We're, too uh, much, yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. Golf course takes everything out of me. I can't the even brain, get The brain is clearly not where it needs to be, Chris. It, it clearly isn't after. It's all right, get a call. I wasn't able to figure out one of the biggest cliches in the book. But in sports, yeah. Anyways, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that would have made sense for the Saints in this situation. But now that your breeze is out, 
and you have the option to go to Jameis Winston, who I'm with you. I think Jameis Winston's a really good quarterback. Um, like we mentioned, the turnovers were a problem last year, but you looked at the plays that guy makes. Not many guys can do what he can with his arm. And for that reason, I wanted to see him in this offense. And unfortunately, because of the connection, the emotional, the mental, the love connection between Taysom Hill and Sean Payton, we are not going to see that. So we'll see how Taysom Hill does. I would recommend picking up him in your fantasy leagues if he's gone. He is available. He's probably okay. not because he is eligible at tight end. So you could start two quarterbacks this week. I know I picked him up in two of my leagues. but You know what, Jackson? There's always someone who stalks the waiver wire. Who Apparently you are that guy. I, I can't stand that guy because – I'm never quick enough. I Whenever something like this happens, there's always a guy gets the update on his phone. First thing he does, opens the app. He's got fast fingers. I didn't think about it until this afternoon. I checked my leagues, and, and he's long gone. He was picked up uh, long ago. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm a sucker. You want to know go. what's crazy is that I'm usually never that guy. Um, I'm usually um, in your boat where I'm late to all this. but Because I, I, when, when I get the opportunity to sleep, I sleep. I'm just going to be honest with you. I am not an early riser, but I'm sleeping in. Today, that was not the case. I had to be up at 7.15. I was miserable. I got like three hours of sleep. I had to go get COVID tested at Fordham because I'm home and I'm doing stuff for the basketball team and whatnot. But I had two hours to kill before practice today, and I'm sitting there on my phone, twiddling my thumbs with not much to do, and I see Taysom Mill starting at quarterback, and I was like, that's interesting. Went to Twitter, saw that he was going to be eligible at tight end, and I immediately was like, okay, now is my time to shine. It's go time. Here we go. Pick him up. Boom. Now we're set in two of my leagues. So if he's available, which he likely isn't, as Mike Messina just said in our yeah. chat, that he picked him up, who's our producer today. So clearly he's available in one league. So if you're listening and he's available, go get on that right now. And that'll wrap it up for our Saints segment. Chris, I'm opting not to talk about the Jets this week because mojo and spirits are high. We don't need to drag each other down right now. And coming off the bye week, we're going to take a break from it because, my God, we've been way too miserable on this podcast way too many times talking about the New York Jets. So grateful we don't have to talk to them and very grateful now that we are going into my favorite segment of the week. It is time Four pickums and week 11 is officially here. Obviously, Thursday night with the Seahawks beating the Cardinals. Let's start it off with our one o'clock slate Browns and Eagles, an interesting one. Browns at six and three in the AFC North. They're playing good football. Nick Chubb is back in the run game, is going to be a big factor this week. I don't think the Eagles are very good. I've said it multiple times. I don't think they're winning the division. I don't think they're getting to six wins. So I'm rolling with the Browns in this one. Yeah, I'm with you here. I think the Browns are pretty serious threat. I'm actually excited to see them in a playoff game this year. I think that they'll get there, and uh, the Eagles are not going to get in their way. I I like the fact that Nick Chubb is back in the mix. And, uh, yeah, I think the Browns win pretty convincingly here. Man of the hour that we just talked about, Taysom Hill and the Saints hosting the 3-6 Falcons in the Dome. Chris, I like the Falcons in this one. I, those are the famous last words of 2020, liking the Falcons every week, but I'm riding them yet again. I think that this offense is going to suffer in Drew Brees' absence, even though I don't think Brees has been very good this year. I think Taysom Hill is that far of a step down at the quarterback position. And if James was starting, I'd be all over the Saints, but that isn't the case, so I'm rolling with the Falcons. Yeah, look, uh, you said it well famous last words taking the Falcons I as a personal policy do not ever ride the Falcons because they'll always let me down so that yes, might be the fairest statement I've heard is staying away as a personal foul policy against the Falcons sort That's of, it's just a policy it just you know it, it serves me well most of the time almost all of the time so I'm picking the Saints I think it could be a very close game a very interesting game we're all got our eyes on Taysom Hill and uh, you know as much as I'm with you on James Winston, that he should be the starting quarterback, Sean Payton knows how to run an offense pretty well, and I think he's had his vision of Taysom Hill uh, suiting up at quarterback for a long time, but I think they'll come out ready. I think they beat the Falcons. 
Saints open up at minus three and a half in that one, which is an interesting line to say the least. And speaking of interesting odds, Redskins, not the Redskins, the Washington football team minus one and a half at home against the Cincinnati Bengals, a pair of two win teams meeting in Landover, Maryland. I have no idea who I like in this one. I'm going to be honest with you. The football team, defensively, they've been playing better. And Alex Smith, great story. Threw the ball 55 times last week. Nearly hit 400 yards passing. But I think I'm rolling with the Bengals in this one. Defensively, they've had a lot of trouble. But I don't think that will give them too much of a problem in this matchup. Because the football team is struggling to do anything on offense. So I I like Joe Burrow and the Bengals to get this done on the road. Yeah, I'm with you here. I love Cincinnati uh, because I love Joe Burrow in this game. I, 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 I'm just a very big Joe Burrow fan, and I'm waiting for for him to sort of get a week. I think he had one where he threw for over 400 yards where everybody kind of turned their heads. I think he might be due for another one. Washington is just the place to do it, so I do think uh, the Bengals beat up on the football team. Lions and Panthers in North Carolina. Chris, I think the Lions should realistically probably be have six or seven wins this year, and Matt Patricia's gotten in the way of that. Blown leads have gotten in the way of that. They've had so many chances to win football games this year, but they haven't been able to do so. They're finally trending in the right direction. Big win at home last weekend over the football team. I think they get to 500 this week. The Panthers are trending in the complete opposite direction after a really good start to the season. They've lost five in a row. I'm rolling with the Lions to get to 5-5. Five five. I'm with you here as well. I think uh, the Lions have shown me something. They showed me something last week at least. The Panthers, on the other hand, uh, I just I just don't buy the Panthers. Uh, I, I think the Lions win this one. Give me uh, Detroit. Steelers and Jaguars, 9-0 Steelers, the 1-8 Jaguars, down south in Florida. Chris, this is my nut pick of the week um, and by nut I mean I am nuts for picking this but come on I'm going with the Jaguars man the Steelers have played down to competition all year and yes they're 9-0 but they've, they have struggled ironically enough against bad teams went to the Giants early um, on in the season they end up pulling away but again they struggle for the large portion of that game look at in Dallas, coming off of Ravens week, they were down big in that one early. They were down 13 nothing. They end up coming back and winning the game. The Jaguars should have beat the Packers last week. On the road, they had a lead. They had multiple leads, actually, in that game um, at Lambeau. I think they're going to get it done at home this week. So give me the Jaguars. Help out the Jets in their pursuit of Trevor Lawrence. Um, let's roll with Jacksonville. Yeah, that's wild. If Jacksonville <laughs> wins, if they, if they win, it's a big deal for the Jets. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you think there's a chance. In fact, before I came on the podcast, I, I asked my roommate for a hot take. If he had one, you got any ideas? I'm jumping on the podcast. He said, Jaguars keep it very close with the Steelers. I called him nuts. I said, I won't say that on the air. That can't be true. But here we are. I mean, maybe it's true. I'm not going to say that they win this game, but he made the same point. He said they play down to competition. Come on. Come on. If that happens, I'll, uh, you know, you could ban me from the podcast or something like that. I'm not not calling this. I say Jaguars cover. They don't win this game. Uh, Give me the Steelers. It's got to be Gino, right? It's got to be Gino who gave you that advice. Gino, one-time member of the podcast. (laughs) Love to hear some takes coming from him. Um, But anyways, yeah. Give me the Jags over the Steelers. Glad to know someone else is in the same boat as myself. Good game in Baltimore. Continuing on with the 1 o'clock slate. Titans and Ravens, two teams who have gotten off to really hot starts, but again, trending in the opposite direction. Ravens, especially coming off an ugly loss in Foxborough to the Pats last weekend on Sunday night. I'm going with the Ravens in this one. I think they get back on track, but I think this is going to come down to one play late in this game. It it just seems like one of those games where it's going to happen on the final drive, and that's what makes me a little worried about the Ravens because stylistically they're not built that way to compete in games where they are behind. So if they go behind, I'd be worried about that, but I think the Ravens are going to find a way to win this game. Game of the week here. 
Titans-Ravens rematch of the playoff game. Question is, can the Ravens stop this run game with Derrick Henry? Uh, I don't think they can. I think the Titans roll here and uh, find a way to beat Baltimore. I'm looking at the spread here. It's five and a half points. Uh, look, it's going to be close. But uh, give me Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. I've just been on that bandwagon for a long time. I think the Ravens have shown uh, some serious uh, step backs this year. We'll see how they defend uh, Lamar. I'm taking the Titans. And just to note, the Ravens did get gashed on the ground last weekend by Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead, Cam Newton. Big game in the rushing attack for the Pats, which is where we go right now. In Houston, taking on the 2-7 and seven Texans. Pats open up at minus 2. I like the Texans to win this game. That may seem crazy given the direction that the Pats are going in, but I honestly haven't really been all that pressed, even impressed, excuse me, even coming off the win against the Ravens. I mean, that was a game that weather was a huge dictator in terms of the way that game trended. And again, this team was a few minutes away from losing to the Jets on the road on Monday Night Football. So I'm going with the Texans who have looked better um, since firing Bill O'Brien and the offense looks significantly better. They get a win at home this week. I'm going to go the other way here as well. I, you know, you bring up the Jet game, I think it's fair, but ever since that moment, I do think this team may have flipped a switch. I could be wrong about that, but we're talking about an AFC East that is a two-horse race with the Dolphins and Bills. I actually think it's a three-horse race. I think New England is still in this. They're four and five. I think this week they moved to 500. Texans have been terrible all year. This is, a, you know, it may well be close, but Cam Newton all of a sudden seems like he is uh, finding his way in this offense, and I think the Patriots beat the Texans. You know what? If I may, I'll say it'll be convincing, and I think the Patriots, all of a sudden, we have to start taking them seriously uh, in the AFC East. Somehow I'm saying that, because a couple weeks ago it seemed impossible. But uh, this division uh, is actually uh, for the taking, and it's going to be interesting at the end. Well, you mentioned a team that needs to be taken seriously, and that's also the Miami Dolphins. The team are now starting to take seriously, and as our fans, they're out west at Mile High taking on the 3-6 and six Broncos. This is a lock for me, a lock of the week. Dolphins minus three and a half. I think you'll lay the points, too. Mm. I, I think that the Dolphins will dominate this game from start to finish. Drew Locke was a disaster last week on the road in Vegas against the Raiders. Um, I, I like the Dolphins, and I like them in convincing fashion as well. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think the Broncos are bad. I think the Dolphins are really looking up, and I love what Brian Flores has done there. It's become clear to me that this is a team that had a plan. They're executing the plan. They look good. I, I will say, I want to say maybe, I, I think it's got to be four weeks ago now. I have to roll the tape back. But, but I picked this Dolphins team to win the division when they were wow. three and five. They were never. Were they ever three and five? They were never three and five. Six and three. <laughs> six and three. <laughs> well, okay. Hey, we, we're all having our brain lapses today. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only one, man. But regardless, like I, said, I, I know the direction you're going. But they yeah. were, I think they were two games under 500. Were they, I don't know. I don't know. Forget I said it. But I did say a number of weeks ago when this team didn't look like they really had a fighting chance against a Bills team that got off to a hot start. I said, look, keep the Dolphins in mind. I think they win this division. I'm going to stick with that pick. I think they beat the Broncos. Uh, and I'm with you. I think it'll be convincing. Well, they were 1-3 and three and also 0-2. Oh so they were two games under two different times. And said, they were 1-3. and three. I said, look, this team's going to win the division. I think. I don't know. We'll have to roll the tape. Winners of five straight and looking for six out in mile high. So we'll see if they can get it done. Sticking in the AFC East and sticking locally. Jets and Chargers, 4-0-5 kickoff. Chargers, 9.5 point favorites. I don't think there's going to be much doubt about this one. I don't think the Jets keep it close. I think the Chargers are better than their 2-7 and seven record indicates. And Justin Herbert, maybe the best quarterback in this draft class. It's definitely possible. And I think he puts up a big performance against this depleted Jets secondary. Yeah, this, this looks like a popular pick for people who say the Jets will, will get a win. I, I, I kind of imagine they'll get a win, one win. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they go 0-16. Uh, it looks very possible. Um, 
but I sort of oh, think you think the Jets win a game. You're you're Mr. Oh. Negative when it comes to the Jets, as am I. But you well, think they're actually going to win a game? I I I called them to get three this year at the beginning, and I was thought to be a pessimist. But it turns out that it's actually going to be worse than that. Um, I need no less. I I was the one calling you the pessimist. I had the Jets at like six, five or six wins. What a lunatic oh, I am! Look, oh, I usually Lord. do. I usually say, look, on a bad year, I I say oh, I think they'll win seven games. They'll win eight games. On a year where I'm optimistic, I say, yeah, they'll win twelve or something. I said they were going to win three. It looks like uh, they're on their their way to zero or one. Zero is preferable. Just get the pick. You lock it in. Nobody can compete for it. But we mentioned the Jaguars. They're a competitor there for the first pick. I don't, I, I'm not on the bandwagon of people who say that this is going to be that week. I do think the Chargers win. Um, I might even bet the spread here. I, you know, I, the Jets aren't going to do it. I, I think the Chargers uh, under Anthony Lynn are, are better than 2-7. and seven. They've blown a lot of games. But the Jets, they won't give the Chargers the opportunity to blow the game. They just won't. So, Jets lose. Quietly good game in Indianapolis. Colts and Packers. Colts coming off a big second half performance to beat the Titans on the road. Packers staving off the upset against the Jaguars. This might be my toughest game to pick of the week, to be completely honest with you. Because Vegas loves the Colts every week. They, they, they really do. I mean, you look at the lines. They've been favorited against the Ravens at home. They were favorites on the road last weekend against the Titans. And they're favorites again against the 7-2 Packers, who may well be the favorites in the NFC right now. I think I'm going to go with the Colts. Their defense is terrific, and it really depends on what Phillip Rivers shows up. And I think that their run game is going to be able to complement what Phillip Rivers is going to be able to do in the passing game against the Packers. And I think this Colts defense, I really do think that they're going to give Aaron Rodgers some trouble. So I'm going to take the Colts at home in this one. Vegas says it. Vegas says Indianapolis one and a half points. I mean, it's it's wild to me uh, that that could be the bet, but it actually makes sense. The Colts are, they look good. I don't know if I'm a believer in Phillip Rivers. I'm not. I'm not. So so that's probably where I break from you here, and I, and I take the Packers over the Colts. But, you know, I, I think Vegas is smells something here, and they, they realize it's going to be closer uh, than you would have thought at the beginning of the year when you circle this game on the calendar. Uh, but the Colts have, have, have played really good football, uh, strong on defense, but I think the Packers beat them. I, I think the Packers find a way. They, they don't. It's not a team that loses big games, although – uh, things ran a little bit too close with Jacksonville last week. So the Packers uh, are definitely a team that plays down at the competition. But you could argue that these teams at 7-2 and two and 6-3 and three are on the same plane. I think the Packers show up and uh, they're able to win on the road. Cowboys and Vikings in Minneapolis, the last of our 4 o'clock games. Vikings, winners of three in a row after starting 1-5. The Cowboys continue to be tragic without... Their star quarterback, Dak Prescott. This is a pretty easy pick for me. I'm going with the Vikings at home to get back to 500 and potentially make a push for that NFC North, depending on how things go this week in Indianapolis. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I think the Vikings beat the Cowboys. Uh, bad team, good team, good team wins. Yeah, not much else to say about that. Sunday night football, big time battle in the AFC West. Chiefs and Raiders. In Las Vegas, the Raiders coming off a dominant performance at home against the Broncos, and she's only lost this year at home against the Raiders. I really like the direction that the Raiders are going in. I want to state that first and foremost. Derek Carr has played like a superstar this year. There's no other way to put it in offensively. The offensive line hasn't been terrific, but Josh Jacobs has had some big-time performances on the ground. Defensively, they're getting it done as well. But it's nearly impossible to be Patrick Holmes twice in a season. And for that reason, I'm taking the Raiders play the Chiefs really well, and I'm on the same page with you where ever since John Gruden has showed up in Oakland, I've underestimated this Raiders team. Every step of the way, I've said, they're not that good. I don't know about them. And they just always disprove me, you know. Now they're in Las Vegas. You know, I, I, I'm going to go Raiders. I am going to go Raiders here. 
I can see the Raiders winning this game. I just think it's almost impossible to beat Patrick Mahomes. I, I hear that. I hear that. You know, I do. I do. But I'm going to go Raiders. I say, why not? Let's go nuts. Hopefully, it should be a fun game. Again, Casey, eight point favorites right now. So, Chris picking a significant upset. Finally, wrapping things up Monday night football. Rams and Bucks at the Ray J down south in Tampa Bay. Last time the Bucks played at night, things got ugly and they got ugly early. They're down 31 nothing in the first half to the Saints. I don't think that happens again, but I like the Rams to win this football game. Even on the road where they have struggled, and even as recently struggling in Florida where they got their doors blown off by the Dolphins, I like what the Rams have been able to do defensively, and I think they are going to give the Bucks a ton of problems, especially Tom Brady throwing the football. So even though I don't love this Rams offense, I like them to score enough points to beat the Bucs. I'm going to go the other way here. Uh, I think Tom Brady uh, is a very good primetime quarterback. Hasn't been the case this year. Remember, he forgets the down. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe it was him. I think he I think he recovers here. You know, I, I'm a little further away from you on the Rams. I, I don't think that they're a serious 6-3. and three. They're a serious 6-3, and three, but... I, I just have, have, have never bet on Jared Goff. I'll, I'll continue to to not bet on Jared Goff. I am going to bet on Tom Brady. So give me the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. I think they moved to 8-3, and I think they're absolutely a force to be reckoned with once the playoffs uh, come around. Not betting against Tom Brady seems like a smart move. Um, Certainly well. Um, and me doing that is probably why I will lose this, but... That is where we are. We are wrapped up our pick'em segment. Chris, I'm proud of us. We, we usually don't have this type of uplifting spirits on the podcast. It's usually just a life of yelling at each other about the Jets and just being incredibly miserable. But we managed not to do that today. So, so for that reason, I am proud of the gruesome twosome. Yeah, and I, I, I think we got to the hour mark here of uh, mostly, mostly just casual football talk. No. No, uh, no red faces. No, no serious anger uh, management uh, breakouts. So yeah, no, I feel good, and uh, we'll see how this pick'em goes. I actually think we picked a different team, and it felt like at least half of these games. Yeah. So one of us is going to be an idiot, and the other will uh, will look brilliant. Who knows? We may both end up looking like that's, idiots. There's, de- there's awesome. definitely a chance of that. But me, the most likely outcome there. Granted. Pick the Jaguars this week. So I am nuts in the head, and we both are nuts in the head when it comes to football and especially the New York Jets, but we were able to hold our own today. Chris, a pleasure as always once again for week 11, this edition of NFL Friday. Chris Baccia, I'm Jackson High. We'll see you next week.